Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense, dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where two friends get together and talk about the story behind the matches. I'm Matt. And I'm Michael. Welcome to episode 29, Clash of the Champions 6. Raging Cajun! Woo-woo! <laughs> we needed the, uh, oh... Bobby Boucher? No, I was thinking, uh, what is the name of, like, the... When they have... When they're playing horns down the street and a bunch of people follow them? The jazz band thing? Yeah, it's a jazz band thing, but there's, like, a name for the line or whatever. Oh. And I should know. I watched a lot of Treme years ago. I have no clue. I'll look it up at some point because I'm going to have to use. We'll have to reference it again later. Spoiler alert. Yeah. So, Clash of the Champions 6 is produced by the WCW under the NWA banner. The event took place on April 2nd, 1989. And if that date sounds familiar, it's because. It does sound familiar. Last week, we covered WrestleMania on the same exact day. Once again. WCW is trying to undercut back in the, the saddle WF. again. Yeah, uh, this is like live on television, right? But there's some interesting backstory to that. I believe you. So Vince McMahon actually was asking for a huge cut of the revenue from the WrestleMania pay-per-view from the cable companies. So those companies went to Ted Turner, told him to run a pay-per-view against it, and then all of a sudden, Vince is like okay, I don't need as big of a cut. And so the cable companies then went back to Turner and was like, ah, we got what we wanted. We never actually planned on running your show. Jesus. So Turner turned around and said, I want a Clash of Champions special to be aired at the same time as WrestleMania to screw over the cable companies who screwed him over. Fuck yeah. I mean, that's go, go for it, Ted. Like, exactly. that's, that's That's wrestling. But this also, the cable companies basically also said, okay, no more competing pay-per-views. We won't do it. Oh, really? And it basically ended the end of the pay-per-view wars. At least for now. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Well, that's cool. That's good. They both deserve, they both deserve their time to shine. I agree. I hate it when there's two shows on at the same time. I do too. <laughs> Even if like there's one that I'm less interested in, I watch the one I'm more interested in. But I like, you know, we're watching old wrestling, but watching it live is always always better than after it's happened. I don't know why. I, I it's just I mean I guess it's because you're like in the sports. moment. Yeah, totally. It's more it's just more exciting to know that it's you're watching it at the same time that everyone else that it's happening. So Clash Six was held at the Louisiana Superdome in New Orleans, Louisiana, drawing an attendance of. 5,300 people with a rating of 4.3 on cable. Now, do you know how many seats the Louisiana Superdome hold? A shitload more than that. Like 20, a shitload like, more like, than like 5,300. Like I'm not quite sure. It's called a Superdome. So but it's, it's called a Superdome, and it's a where the oh, Orleans yeah. Saints play. Yeah, I'm sure it holds less. Like At that point, I'm sure they, they built more seats at some point. Like, what it held in 89 is definitely probably, like, you know, I would say triple that. <laughs> I don't know. It's definitely probably worth looking up. I mean, what it holds now is probably different. 
The Superdome. Isn't the Superdome where they just like put a bunch of people during Katrina? Like for football, it holds seventy three thousand people. The record attendance is actual wrestle is actually WrestleMania thirty four back yeah. in twenty eighteen. Yeah, yeah. And that's seventy eight thousand people. But I assume that this Thunderdome from eighty nine it probably holds less people. Because it's had it, to have been updated a bunch. But either way, like still five thousand people. They did renovations to... in two thousand five ish, but I wouldn't say that they added a whole bunch more seats. Yeah, it's I'm not. Just... Like, it's not like they went from like a ten thousand seat Superdome to a seventy, eighty thousand. I'm trying to remember what this Superdome. show looks like because I don't even remember it looking like it was in a quote unquote dome. Because they had all the lights turned off, and mm. basically all the fans were probably pushed them on the on the floor. Yeah. Maybe why the attendance was bad. So whenever Ted Turner went to him and said, hey, I want this show, the Superdome was booked, and one of the head honchos, George Scott, he kept the card secret until a week before the show. New Japan style, baby. Because he believed that the TV special would hurt house show business. It's the way that they thought (laughs) about... TV back in the day, and it's weird, backward ass thinking nowadays. Like, every yeah. you, you want your people at the TV shows, and house shows is just a extra income. Yeah, yeah, it's like people come to see the stars at house shows, they aren't coming there to see uh, like potential title changes or like main event style of matches. You go because you like the guys, you like the product, you like wrestling, and you just like, oh, like, you know, it's fun to see a random tag with like. The Velveteen Dream and like somebody not as big against like somebody else against another two guys. So that's the reason why attendance was bad. They just they still did a pretty good rating on cable. What else was happening around April 2nd, 1989? The movie Major League. Well, that's one of your favorites. Would be it? released the next week in theaters. I would say it's one of my favorite sports movies if not my favorite baseball movie yeah well you're a big baseball guy i, I do love my baseball. i do like i don't really i'm not a big sports guy i do like a good sports movie but i, I guess i prefer a sports guy there's a lot of baseball movies in the 90s this is i guess there's like this is basically 89 yeah but i just remember seeing a bunch of there's a lot of like kid sport movies in the early 90s. i mean i think a lot of this one was just it, it it's not your feel-good sports movie. I mean, it does have that yeah. in the end, but it's more of a comedy. This one doesn't isn't that wacky, though. Don't they get wackier later? Or do they never really the, get yeah, that the wacky? Sequels, the sequels are much wackier. Yeah, than... it's like, this one's pretty pretty normal. It's not like, it's pretty grounded in like some sort of reality. It's not like a Naked Gun movie or anything. No, but it still has its definitely comedy moments. Yeah, that... it's kind of like Slapshot, but like with way less offensive. <laughs> Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, as much as I like Slapshot, that movie does not hold up with some of the things they say. And then Michael Jackson would be would receive the Soul Train Heritage Award and would be named King of Pop officially. See, I didn't know why they called him the King of Pop except for that it's completely fucking obvious because he's the King of fucking Pop. But like, I didn't know he was like given that name from an award show it or was, something like that. I want to say it was Elizabeth Taylor. I mean, I think it was just something that she said, and, oh, then, really? and, her, then, just like, and then his PR people just kind of picked like, oh, it up well, and that sounds great. ran with it. I hope she got, like, I mean, she's probably fine either way. Right? I, I mean, everyone back, thinks of King of nice Pop. A nice check. 
King of Pop, Michael Jackson. Yeah. King of Rock and Roll, Elvis Presley. Not my king. But, but you <laughs> yeah, know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, you know exactly. what I'm saying. But I mean, there's like... The King of Pop sounds cool like than King of Rock Princess and Roll. Princess of Pop is a title that's thrown around there. Oh, but like, really? But both Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera... Whoever's pot at the time says that. Yeah, but like, no one's ever, right. yeah, no one's ever been like, oh, the new King of Pop, like... Yeah, you can't touch what you can't touch the the like how famous that man was. But let's go ahead and get on to Clash of the Champions Six. First thing that pops up, we get the debut of the WCW logo. I know it's it's still crazy that it's like W it's like WCW presents NWA, basically, right? Yeah. At this point, that's all. It's just it's kind of weird. It's just weird because you're like I always I always assume that there's like a like. Assume there was a. It's like, oh, now it's WCW, Cover. but it's not really. It's like we're still Ted, a couple, we're still a couple years away from the official like, like brand. brand. Yeah, uh, the logo flies over the screen, and we go to a video package of Flair and Steamboat from Shy Town Rumble. The Clash of Champions logo comes on the screen, and then we get Jim Ross and Michael P. S. Hayes welcoming us to the show. I love P. S. We then get a video package of Terry Funk. Dory Funk Jr., Lou Thez, Gene Kaniski, Pat O'Connor, Buddy Rogers, Jim Hurd, Sam Mushnick, Harley Race, and Ricky Steamboat all having dinner. Yeah. They were all either former NWA champions or NWA presidents. Oh, okay. How was the president like a kayfabe thing? No, it's an oh, actual, it was an actual okay. position. And that's what Jim Hurd and Sam Mushnick were former presidents. Jim Hurd makes a statement in this video package. Could you tell, was this statement to the fans or was it to someone at the dinner? Mm, Part of it was, it felt very like, this is what the NWA promises to bring to you, the fan, but then like there was part of it that was, seemed like it was talking to... Yeah, I mean... It didn't make a whole lot of sense. I do like that they start this show off with like a history lesson type thing. I thought that was cool. You know, they're like, yeah, hey, like here's it. all these guys. Like they just, you know, try to elevate the title. I mean, you know, even more, even though I mean it's the NWA title. I but mean, just Flair has it. had it for so long. I think it's it was smart to kind of be like, here, look at all this history mm-hmm. of the NWA because uh-huh. all you probably know is that Flair. Plus, it's live on TV, and they're like, well, let's let's try to prop prop up this this belt. Let's make it mean something. We then go to a video package showing us some of the participants for matches in the evening. And then we get the national anthem with fireworks and laser work all around the the ring and whatnot. Yeah. And this is I I think this is where we see some of the American still shots in the Louisiana. I just always love those still shots because some of the times they're like so bad. It's like, that's not a very good picture. (laughs) It's it's stock photos completely. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, that water looks kind of dirty. Like, you should have just got a close-up of the boat. But, you know, I do like, yeah, I always like those touches where they, especially for this time period, because now they just do like the here's a shot from the outside of the city and that's really kind of about it. Or like, here's here's a landmark thing in the city. Here's this bridge or whatever. Here's our blimp shot. Yeah. Okay, so see, yeah. we're there. But the show starts right off. We're headed off to our first match. It's the Samoan SWAT team of Samu and Fatu with Pauly Dangerously versus the Midnight Express of Stan Lane and Bobby Eaton with Jim Cornette. Duh, Jim Cornette. I do Matt, love all the like laser lights at this time. 
We see it quite a bit, but I like it when they like start spelling out their name. Because like the first time I saw it, it's later in the show, but it looks like a neon. It's like yeah. they had a neon sign made of like whoever's name. I can't remember off the top of my head, but they do it for a few guys. But it's just those laser lights that move really fast and spell it out. I was just saying, they don't, they don't see laser lights like that anymore. Let's just say that the production in WCW NWA steps it up quite a bit it's over getting, the next few weeks. Yeah, it definitely gets, uh, definitely gets better. So the match starts. We got Lane running the rope. Samu with the leapfrog. Lane with the leapfrog. And then Samu comes off the ropes with a crossbody that Sweet Stan ducks, sending Samu to the mat. Samu's up with a clothesline that Lane ducks and hits a crossbody of his own. Samu pushes Lane back into the SWAT team corner and goes to hit a forearm, but Stan ducks and Fatu is knocked to the floor. Lane reverses an Irish whip from Fatu, gives a quick kick, a hip toss, tosses him to the ropes, takes Fatu down with a drop toe hold, and Eaton hits a running elbow drop followed by a top rope drop kick. We see Dangerously yelling at Cornette from the outside, so Jim runs around to the other side of the ring, but Samu chases him away, <laughs> but not before Cornette could hit him with his tennis racket. The Express is working over Fatu with double teams and quick tags back in the ring. We see Samu toss Lane to the ropes, duck his head, and sweet stand with a sunset flip for a two count. The SST has Lane in their corner, and again Stan ducks Samu punch for it to hit Fatu. Cornette gets a good laugh at this Samoan SWAT team misfortune. And Fatu starts walking out. Like, he drops off the apron, starts walking back up the the, ap- uh, the entryway. Yeah. But Paul E runs over, puts his phone... Is that when he gives him the phone? I was like, what is he doing? Yeah, he puts the phone to his ear. He's talking to Dad. And I guess it, it gets him to calm him down. I assume somebody was on the other side of it. I have no clue. I was like, I was like maybe, maybe he's like his kayfabe dad. <laughs> maybe. Don't tell him to stick it out. The Express is starting to work over Samu while Paul E. Sucks chants start up. Samu with a back suplex, a jumping leg drop, followed by a body slam. Lane then hits a drop kick and is able to make a tag to Eaton, who back body drops Fatu and rolls him up with a small package for a two count. Eaton has Fatu in a headlock when Samu comes in, and while the ref is getting Samu back to his corner, Lane comes into the ring, claps his hands, and takes over the headlock. The ref turns and is confused, thinking it should be Eaton, so he walks over to their corner. Cornette jumps up the apron to tell him they tag, and then turns around and starts asking the crowd, Yeah, we tagged, right? You saw us tag, right? It was a super fun spot. It was, and it's like, yeah, it's like, I love that bringing Polly in makes, like, Cornette the baby face. (laughs) And it's like, guys, he's he's still doing, like, heel stuff, but, like, everybody loves him. It's just like, oh, it's like you... You know, it happens all the time. It's like people get used to the heel. They like the heel and this, the work that he does and eventually gets cheered. Fatu tosses Eaton to the ropes, looks to leapfrog Bobby, but Eaton just stops and delivers a right haymaker. I like that. I like that spot. Beautiful Bobby dangles Fatu across the top rope and Lane jumps over Eaton into a crossbody across the back of Fatu. Samu comes in, starts throwing punches, Lane with a jackknife pin attempt, but the ref doesn't see it until it's too late as he's blocked by Samu. Fatu throws Eaton to the rope, Samu comes in, hits a clothesline, and then we get a reverse thrust kick by Samu, followed by a trap hold. My favorite hold? A trap hold on Eaton. Eaton finally escapes, but runs into a forearm from Fatu on the apron, 
And then Fatu's in with a back elbow and back to the trap hold on Beautiful Bobby. Back to the trap. Eaton comes <laughs> off the ropes. Fatu attempts a hip toss, but Bobby reverses and tries for a hip toss of his own. But Fatu blocks and hits a clothesline. Samu's now working over Eaton, but Bobby fires up with a chop and some punches before making the hot tag. tag. Laying with the plenty of karate kicks on Samu, forearm snapmare to pull Fatu into the ring. We got all four men in the express have hold of the SST's heads and run them into each other. So a karate kick is just like a kick where you kind of like, is just means that you, just, you have to be just not white to do a karate kick or is it just a kick that you do that like where you kind of it's kind of like a weird spin kind of looks like what a kick would do a little kid would do if he was like trying to fight off another little kid you know where it's like kind of like it, I think a pushback kick yeah where it's like the second one there. you know where it's like yeah like the half spin like you're facing the other direction like kind of like a horse kick but with one leg yeah. i don't know how to you know what i'm saying it's like the, the, yeah your brother's picking on you trying to push him away SWAT teams throwing punches at each other before charging into the corners after the express when Eaton moves. So Fatu goes chest first into the turnbuckle while Samu gets some sweet stand kicks. Lane's tossed into the ropes by Fatu, who is tripped by Paul E. Fatu follows with a jumping headbutt, but Stan moves. Lane then reverses an Irish whip to send Fatu into the ropes, where Cornette hits him with the racket. And then we get double team punches by the SWAT team on Lane and all four men brawling once again. The Samoans working over Sweet Stan, hold, hitting a power slam and another trap hold. The thing about a trap hold is you have to do it more than once, otherwise it doesn't count. <laughs> you got to do it like two As or three times. Yeah, I mean, I think like every time a trap hold goes down, it happens more than once in the match. I feel like it's if you just do it once, it's like totally a placeholder. But if you do it more than once, it looks like you might actually be like working that area of your exactly. body. Eaton comes in to break up the hole, but that allows a double-team headbutt while the ref is getting beautiful Bobby out of the ring. Samu with a kick to Lane, then hits Eaton off the apron, and Stan retaliates with a headbutt to the gut of Samu, and Bobby is in to throw a few punches. The old gut butt. Again, the Samoans with the double-team on Lane as the ref removes Eaton from the ring. But this time, Lane hits another front sunset flip, but Fatu stays up and punches down. We get a scoop slam, and Fatu goes for a second rope diving headbutt, but Lane moves. Both teams make a tag, eaten with right hands to both members of the Samoans. A double noggin knocker, but the SWAT team retaliates with a double headbutt. Samu holding beautiful Bobby while Fatu comes off the top rope with an axe handle, but Eaton moves, so Samu takes the brunt of the hit. Eaton follows with a crossbody on Fatu and a swinging neck breaker on Samu. Fatu breaks up the pin attempt and Lane is in with some kicks to knock him from the ring. Polly jumps up on the apron, but Cornette jumps up too to hit dangerously and knock him off. And the Express hit the rocket launcher and Eaton goes for the pin, but the ref is trying to get Lane out of the ring. Paul E then tosses his Zach Morris style phone to no. Fatu, who comes in, hits Eaton over the head, rolling Samu on top for the pin and the win. And like... Stan Lane like does the like tries to break it up uh, like spot like try to you know break up the pin but he does it like a little bit early and he probably should have got it <laughs> I noticed yeah. that I was like it's like yeah he's like he's just a little bit too early because he was trying to do the thing where it's like oh you're too late and they got the pin but he was like I was like he could have got it <laughs> I wasn't mad at it though no not mad at it it was all. just kind of a funny thing to notice if anything this match just 
it went on just a little bit too long. They, Agreed. They two great teams. There was too many missed big move spots. Like literally, someone would let's do a yeah. elbow drop. Yeah, move. like an let's eight, do a splash. Yeah, move. like a six minute like, sprint or like like yeah. But this was probably like thirteen minutes or something. Just too long to start the show. Yes. Yes. Uh, but by by no means is a match with these guys ever going to be bad because no. they're like they're the, they're two great tag teams. It's a good match. It just, just not the best way to start the show. Yeah, I agree with that completely. So we're headed off to our second match. We got the Great Muda. It's, oh yeah. Well, before that, commercial breaks are weird because they always go to commercial oh, breaks. Yeah, that's not a big thing. But I just kind of something. Clash of the Champions is on TV, so that there are commercial. Yeah, breaks I just here. thought it was weird, but uh, I we'll start that over because this deserves. I mean, with the, not, the not interrupting proper, you. The proper, yeah, the proper uh, introduction. So our second match, Great Muda with Gary Hart versus Stephen Casey. Stephen who? Casey. Okay. You mean Great Muda, the Pearl of the Orient. Exactly. <laughs> Great Muda is a professional wrestling Hall of Famer. Just that one? That's the only one. Yeah. I wonder if, does Japan have like... I don't know if... Like, I guess we didn't, you didn't, we didn't look for that, but I'm sure they have a, some kind of Hall of Fame. I'm sure they probably do, but I didn't I didn't see it. So. I mean, yeah, it's also, you know, we, we know the white guys are going to be in there. Probably not going to be, you know, Fatu. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe he worked in Japan. Yeah, maybe his Rikishi probably did. Who didn't like a, a fat man in a... The stink, was it the stink face? In a sumo, sumo dress. It's, uh, we, we know the Japanese do. It's called a mawashi. I didn't know the official term. I didn't know you. Would. I, I, yeah, I'm just getting. I'm just getting into sumo. Totally worth it. But yeah, Mwashi. And like, I think I'm, I may have said this before, but Rikishi is just them pronouncing Rikshi incorrectly. And a Rikshi is what you call any sumo wrestler. That's just like the name of a sumo wrestler. They're all Rikshi. So the more Muda, you know. So Muda is doing like meditation and goes into a trance. Yeah, he does like the kind of like um, like you know I don't know shit about martial arts but like a quote unquote like kung fu type of thing where you like hold your hands together but you have the two fingers up you've all seen it in like a chuck norris movie any any like any any sure Bruce any Lee like kung fu movie times. yeah yeah exactly casey goes to attacking but muda spits the green mist into steven's face <sighs> and did you pop on your couch of course i popped on my couch jr lets us know that muda is still undefeated how long has he been working like television or the uh, area, because... Probably a couple months or so. Like, we know that WCW, like, has a relationship with New Japan in, like, throughout the 90s and stuff, but I guess this is the beginning of that? Possibly. Or maybe not. I don't know if he was from New Japan or just Japan, Japan. In, Japan in just general. Japan in general, I think. So the match starts, and Muda slams Casey's head into the turnbuckle, whips him to the opposite corner, following with a handspring back elbow. This shit is hot. Like, we've seen, like... We've seen some stuff, but like Muda's coming with some intensity and a like grandiose like move set or like just a there's more energy and stuff that's unnecessary. It's that's a pretty freshness. Yeah, it's a yeah freshness is the in 1989. Yeah, it's fucking. It was exciting. Muda has Casey in the corner, jumps up, gives a double mule kick. Hart tosses Casey back in from the outside, and Muda hits a top rope drop kick. After working on Casey's leg, Muda locks on a trap hold. But doesn't he do the? Doesn't he do like the thing where he like licks his fingers? He keeps sticking his hand in his yeah, mouth. Yeah, he sticks his ha- his hand in his mouth. Like it's poison his... or something, and then he's like getting and then he puts the, the trap hold on. Yeah. 
As Casey's trying to escape, Muda hits a spinning kick before locking on another trap hold and then a lat hold. Is that the armpit hold? Yes. Yes, I like the armpit hold because I was like, I bet that actually hurts. <laughs> like, that one, I was like, I can feel that. <laughs> Casey's firing back, running the ropes, ducks a kick from Muda, hitting a clothesline, back elbow, and a drop kick into the corner, and a hip toss before trying another drop kick. But Muda moves and delivers a reverse insiguri to send Casey to the floor. Muda follows with a pescado over the ropes, whips Casey into the guardrail before hitting another handspring back elbow. He rolls him back in the ring and Muda with a scoop slam and heads to the top rope, hitting a moonsault for the pin and the win. This is hot shit. This is hot shit, everybody. So good. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, ah. Oh. It's like, I, yeah. This we don't know Stephen Casey. This is how you do a squash match. You show all the cool shit that you're gonna do. Yeah, the guy, they're like Stephen got a little bit in, a little bit. But you know, he's he's also like a bigger guy than Muda. Yeah. So like, it's like, oh, okay. That also makes Muda look stronger. Exactly. I mean, like is Stephen Casey. Do we know anything about him? I know nothing about him, other than he was in the uh, match at the the dark match at. The last show we covered. Oh, really? At Chi-Town Rumble. Oh, okay. But yeah, it's a dark match we didn't see. It was a dark match that that everyone forgot about, so it went 25 minutes. Oh, oh yeah. Jesus. That was poor Stephen Casey. Yeah, poor Stephen Casey. Maybe this was like, they're like, okay, we're going to get you on the show. Sorry about that. <laughs> exactly. So next up, we see the logo for Wrestle War 89. The logo for Wrestle War 99. 89. 89, I'm sorry. Is probably the best logo I've ever seen. And I guess I'll save it for WrestleWar 99. I'm not, I won't say what it is. Because I love it. I want it tattooed on my face. 89. 89. Jumping ahead sorry. 10 years. It's not, there's no WrestleWar 99, I'm sure. <laughs> there's not no WrestleWar 99. Or is there? <laughs> I'm way out. See you in a decade. <laughs> we'll find out in a decade. <laughs> so we got our third match. We get Junkyard Dog <sighs> Always versus Butch Reed. With Hiro Matsuda. I was also thought it was funny that Matsuda was with like Butch Reed, and it's like, where's Matsuda with Muda? I know that you know we just because they're both Japanese, they don't need to be together, but because then no one could speak English. <laughs> What's his? Uh, I can't even think of his name. Gary Hart. Like, is Gary Hart like the most inconsequential uh, manager? He's actually one of the best managers out there that never got a big name. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have a strong opinion of him yet, but we haven't seen him enough of him. He does kind of like he has a, a look that makes me think of like like Anton Lavey for some reason. Yeah, it's that like he's got that that big weird beard, and he just kind of looks. He looks. He definitely looks mean. <laughs> I agree with that. So JYD walks out with a New Orleans jazz band, and I looked it up, and I'm ashamed for myself for not remembering, but it's called a Second Line. So like. Second line. Yeah, it's called the second line. A while ago, I probably would have known why, uh, but yeah, the the jazz band's going down the street and people dancing behind, or whenever that you use it for like it's popular with like funerals and stuff down there. Uh, it's called the second line. So he walks out with the second line, and I thought it was very cool. I thought it was very cool too. But while he's walking out, Jr. decides to get some plugs in for the next week's worth of house shows. Yeah, for the WCW, including one in. Stamford, Connecticut. Ooh. Is that where you think he gets his first meeting with Vince? Maybe. I don't know how long JR uh, sticks around here. Reed then gets Pyro and Lasers spelling out his name. Yeah. 
there's the lasers. I was like, hmm, that's weird. Like they put up that, but I was like, oh yeah, laser lights. They don't really do that anymore. <laughs> I think the last time I saw green lights like that, they didn't spell anything out. It was like maybe like a Rush concert. Yeah. And that way, yeah. And they have them, but it's not like, it's just kind of, they just do the, they just like go from one direction to another direction, like, you know, all like in or whatever, but not moving quickly and spelling out, you know, Alex Lifeson's name or anything. So the match starts and JYD sends Reed to the ropes and delivers a big soup bone. I love that. I, 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 I kind of love it. It's like, soup bone, okay. So that's what they, they're like calling their, their, their big arms. They got big forearms, big arms. They call it a, a soup bone. It's a JR word for yeah, you. Yeah, he only uses it for big black guys. <laughs> but I do like it. I would be fine if he used it for any big guy. JYD's giving running shoulder tackles, but Reed no-sells it twice. JYD goes for a third, but Reed leapfrogs, and then the dog turns and gives a headbutt. Is that where he does, like, the stop headbutt? Yes. Like, the stop, stops quick turnaround. Like, the guy just, like, thinks he did something, and JYD just, like, puts one in real quick, and I liked it. We then get some doggy-style headbutts to send Reed to the floor. Rough, rough. We get the roughs from the crowd. Anytime people, like... Bark for JYD. My heart flutters. Reed goes for a hip toss, but JYD reverses for a hip toss of his own, a scoop slam, and then yanks Butch out of the corner. We then see a young lady at ringside. Hay says he was going to set JR up with her, and this girl was not attractive at eh, all. I don't think she was the ugliest person in that pl- in that building, for sure. But JR's reply... <laughs> it was brutal. Pass. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, dude, come on. JR, you look like a you look like a big old chubby baby. JR may be the heel of the night. Yeah, it was it was pretty brutal. And then like they show her later, and I was like, she wasn't like bad. She wasn't like horrendous. She's not horrendous. She had all her teeth. Definitely not. Also, I couldn't tell if she was like the mother of the kids near her or just like the older sister. I couldn't figure it (laughs) out. She had like one of those faces like I don't know how old this person is. Reed then hits an eye rake, some punches, and begins to work over the dog. Butch has Junkyard draped over the ropes and is using his weight to choke him. As the ref moves away, Matsuda begins to choke JYD as well. Multiple elbow drops and locks on a headlock. JYD starts to grab them cakes to mm-hmm. escape, reverses an Irish whip to hit a back body drop. Both men hit a clothesline for a double KO spot. But then Reed comes off the second rope with a double axe handle, but the dog smashes his midsection as he is coming down. We get a snap mare and a falling headbutt, but Butch moves. And now Reed goes up to the top rope for a flying shoulder tackle for the pin, and JYD gets his foot on the ropes. <laughs> Hell yeah, JYD. Butch is celebrating, not knowing the match is over. Matsuda starts arguing with the ref on the apron, and JYD reverses an Irish whip, sending Reed into Hero, which knocks Butch to the mat, and JYD makes the cover for the pin and the win. It's fine. <laughs> it's a junkyard dog match. It's a match. junkyard dog match. I was surprised I gave old JYD the win, to be honest. Well, so, Junkyard Dog had actually been fired from the NWA two weeks prior to this show. Okay. Just for being drunk? Because he had missed six straight house shows. Oh, he was out there. I yeah. mean, yeah. But all of a sudden, WCW realized, hey... We're going to Louisiana, a place where Junkyard Dog has quite a bit of a following. Yeah. And we need to sell seats. Yeah, it's like a good... Yeah, it would be nice if they did it before a week. Hey, JYD, 
don't miss any more house shows. Come on back. Come on back. Yeah. I do like that throughout this whole show, they throw, like, shade at WWF. We're starting to get some oh, shade thrown. Both show like... WWF those shaded WWF yeah, yeah. But I just like that it's like uh, we are it's like they say something about the like ten count or whatever when both guys are down during this match. Yeah. And he's like he's like yeah, we're under athletic like commission because we're real wrestling or whatever. We 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 were less real wrestlers and stuff. We like wrestle that. here. Yeah. I mean it's true. They do wrestle there. That is true. So JR tells us as they're going to commercial, the next match up is Bob Orton versus Dick Murdoch. But when we come back from that commercial, we've skipped ahead three matches. Oh, wait. So it wasn't actually live? So the network cut out three of the matches from Clash of the Champions 6 on their version. So television wasn't truly live? Yes. Televi- if, if you had watched this in 18- 1989, you would have seen these other uh, three matches. Okay, then, then the, 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 the WWE, WWE Network. Network. No. To the victor goes the spoils, basically, and they just didn't put these three matches yeah. on the showing on the network. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you about these matches. Yeah, that's weird. Did you watch them, or you just got the, the I just have lines? I just have what happened. Yeah. I mean, it takes a whole hour out, so... Basically. <laughs> basically. Yeah. Uh, first up was Orton would defeat Murdoch with basically the exact same finish as the Warrior Rude match at WrestleMania Five, where Warrior is... Lift uh, doing the vertical suplex from the apron, and the manager grabs Warrior's leg. Mm -hmm. Basically, the same exact finish there. The next match was the varsity club of Mike Rotunda and Steve Williams would defeat the Road Warriors of Animal and Hawk for the NWA World Tag Team Championship. Oh, and what I see here, continue because Teddy Long would turn heel. By refusing to count a pin for the Road Warriors, and then made a fast count for the Varsity Club. And because of this, Teddy Long would be fired. This makes so as much a sense. There's like, there's, there's spoiler alert, uh, there's, we watched shows after this, and Teddy Long is out there doing heel shit, and even cutting like heel promos, and I was like, what happened with Teddy? I'd like to know, like... <laughs> Because there's like three WCW or NWA shows, like you know the that we like for this show yeah, have next to watch. Three weeks in a row. are all NWA all, shows, yeah. And uh, and I was just like, I I know I was like, I know Matt will have the answer, but I feel like since these shows are in like pretty a short amount of yeah, period of time, yeah. I was like, since they're in succession, like I you should see, you should tell me what's happening, especially because they get they're getting better at this. These shows are getting That's better true. at like telling you. The story behind the matches and the they didn't do that. I don't feel like they did that with Teddy in the other shows. They just say he's healed. But that is what happened. Well, I'm glad to know, and I'm excited that it was that because I would like to see that. That sounds fun. I know. That's, I don't need it the whole match. I want to see that though. I want to see. I, I want to see that match. Yeah, I, I have looked for it everywhere. Really? And I cannot find it. You would think that it's Teddy. Yeah. I mean, Teddy Long has a big long career being a heel for like the rest of his life. Exactly. I would have, yeah, I would have very much liked to see just the finish. Like, th- three minutes, it can't be more than that. Yeah. And then the other match would be Ro- Ranger Ross would defeat Iron Sheik by DQ. Hmm. Yeah. What, you know what Sheik did? I have no clue. Man. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Ranger Ross looks good, though. We'll, Bad we'll, name. we'll see him in the next in the, couple in of the shows. Future. So, 
since we skipped ahead three matches, mm-hmm. we're at match four. We're off to we're at match our seven, seventh seven. match. Ah, it's a quick one. And it's the varsity club of the Games Master Kevin Sullivan and Dan Spivey versus Rick Steiner and Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert with Missy Hyatt for the NWA United States Tag Team Championship. Oh, Singaporean Kevin Sullivan. <laughs> So the varsity club attacks right as the bell sounds, knocking Steiner to the floor and Spivey with a slam to Gilbert. We get a gut wrench suplex, tossing Gilbert into the turnbuckle, and a power slam all by Spivey. Sullivan baits Steiner into the ring and then tosses Gilbert over the top rope to the floor. Spivey runs Gilbert's back into the ring post on the outside while the ref is distracted. And then we get a flying clothesline by Spivey, who makes the lackadaisical cover. But Gilbert gets his foot on the rope. Uh, Gilbert fucking sells and bumps hard, and I like it. Oh yeah, he's a yeah, bump, was, he's a bump machine. I was like, yeah, it's like he's 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 like the like Sam Houston, but with like sixty more pounds and much better looking. Is Sam Houston ugly? He's hot stuff, man. Oh, I think I was I thought I forgot about the hot stuff thing. I was like, I'm pretty sure Sam Houston's cuter than Eddie Gilbert. Spivey then places. We'll put a pole up. <laughs> Spivey then places Gilbert in a tree of woe, and Sullivan hits a running knee to Hot Stuff. Goes for a second, but Eddie moves for Games Master's knee to ram into the turnbuckle. Gilbert makes it to the corner for the hot, hot tag. <laughs> right hands, clotheslines, power slam, mounted punches in the corner by Steiner. Spivey attempts an inverted atomic drop, but the Gremlin blocks and hits a belly-to-belly suplex for a cover. But Sullivan breaks it up. Gilbert comes in, hits Games Master, but Sullivan knocks Hot Stuff out of the ring with a knee to the back. Steiner takes both him and Spivey over the top rope with a clothesline. Sullivan's now back in the ring. Gilbert has grabbed Hyatt's purse and hits the <laughs> Games Master and rolls him up for the pin and the win. <laughs> I can't be mad at Kevin Sullivan getting pinned. You can't. <laughs> until you realize that both the person who got pinned... And the person who did the pin... Were not legal. Were not legal. <laughs> Still not mad. So post-match, <laughs> Spivey's back in with a baseball slide to knock Steiner back to the floor. Sullivan's with Snapmare, and Spivey hits a power bomb to Gilbert. Mm, we get that beat down. And the varsity club keeps working over hot stuff till the gremlin comes in with a chair to clear the ring. The dog face gremlin is still like the best nickname. I'm in love with Steiner, and I wish she got a promo in this show. I think they may have because if you realize he didn't do Alex at all in this match, so no, they I probably think they, they, they maybe started to dumb down the dummy thing, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and kind of backed away from it a little bit. So. I like it though, but hey, I mean, we're allowed to like the things we like, right? Right? You are allowed to like dumb stuff. I like. I mean, I'm I'm watching lots of wrestling, so we're headed off to our eighth match. It's Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat in a two out of three falls match for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Now, can you not be excited about a team up like this? I'm super excited. I mean, the match at Chi-Town Rumble. Wonderful. Awesome, awesome match. Let's see how this one does. But we get the Ric Flair with the, he gets his laser name, but he's got, this is where he's... Oh, yeah, there is a K. That's awesome. And that's not how you spell Ric no, Flair. No, all right, I see. But the, uh, he gets the, the uh, ladies' intro. Like I feel like he had the ladies' intro started pretty recently, like maybe end of 88, yeah. early 89. 
little dragon actually has an actual dragon costume on as oh, he comes yes. out. Oh, like the family, so super it's cute. super cute. Like the family aspect of Ricky is like it's super cute for the babyface thing. It's just a shame that he can't cut a promo to save his life. You know what else is a shame? What that Bonnie, his wife, like actually had his name and ex- an appearance like trademarked and held him. Kept him from being able to use his real name and stuff after they divorced. Rick Steamboat. Yeah. Jesus, that's rough. What did he? What did he do to piss her off? <laughs> you get divorced. You yeah. Do. So something changed. So he's yeah. Get that prenub. Oh. As long as little dragon's okay. Terry Funk joins Jr. at the announce table for this match. Instead, uh-huh. and so can Michael- you think of a more like sultry voice to have on your live television show? On commentary than Terry Funk, Jesse Ventura. <laughs> Jesse Ventura's got such a no. I'm just saying, like Terry Funk's got that voice, like he's like got like cancer in his throat. It's just like this the whole time. It's like you know, Mick Foley was just as mankind was just him doing an impersonation of Terry <laughs> Funk's real life voice and just like dialing it up to eleven. So as the match starts, we get. Flair is pushed back into the corners, and Flair pushes Steamboat off of him. But Ricky retaliates with a quick slap to the face, which the crowd just kind of like, ooh. I mean, these guys chop the shit out of each other. They do. Uh, also, it's like Flair starting to get like a smattering of be- uh, boos and cheers instead yeah. of like, you know, for the longest time it was just like all boos, even if they were, you know, boos. Just like, you know, sometimes you boo the guy because you're like, he's the heel. Like... I want him to go over because I like him. So you boom for being a good heel. But uh, I don't know if they did that back then. <laughs> so it's not like you start to hear the cheers for, for the Ric Flair because he's Ric fucking Flair. The two men swap amateur moves until they make it to the corner. And again, we have a Nature Boy shove and a steamboat slap. And then JR throws some shade at Hogan and Savage by saying... Any other athletes competing for a major championship that are in better condition on April 2nd. <laughs> he even drops April 2nd. That's awesome. Flair's running the ropes. Ricky with a hip toss and locks on a side headlock. The two men trading chops until Steamboat hits a hip toss, a head scissor takedown, and a drop kick of Nature Boy before going right back to the side headlock. It's like prime Steamboat like combo. So all these headlocks seem like they are just rest moves. But both men are continuously working, so they're never really dull. Like, no. Like, Steamboat would have Flair in the side headlock, but all of a sudden, but Flair's Flair, like, Flair would, like, roll Steamboat over onto his yeah. shoulders for a two count or something. And it would just keep they're going very, back and They're forth. very active, like... Very active rest holds. Yeah, yeah. It's like, they're not really rest holds if you keep rolling each other up. Or if, like... They're more wear down. There you go. And there's, like... I mean, it's a two or three falls match so you know that the amount of like two counts in this match are through the roof and you'd be surprised with how much how many more there is than through the roof actually like you know would would make you think i think there's like a good 10 in a row at some point later one point (laughs) we get more trading of chops when ricky irish whips flair to the turnbuckle who then walks into a back body drop high up into the air followed by a drop kick and we have the 10 minute call in this 60 minute match Nature Boy is calling the ref over, but then delivers a cheap shot to Steamboat. Flair Irish whips Ricky, who slides under the Nature Boy, and then pushes him into the ropes and grabs a schoolboy roll-up for a two-count. Jarrah lets us know that there are two more championship matches still to come. Or 
are there? Well, I guess we'll have to keep watching and find out. Clothesline by Steamboat. Flair looks to have lifted Ricky up for a suplex, but Steamboat reverses into a high headlock takeover. Another big chop from Ricky, and we get a flare flop, and Steamboat goes for the cover for a near fall. Inverted atomic drop from the Nature Boy, but Ricky comes back with a chop, multiple shoulder tackles, another chop, but every time Flair goes to the mat, Steamboat goes for a cover. Both men trading chops, punches, forearms, until the Nature Boy rolls to the apron. Ricky brings Flair back into the ring with a vertical suplex and looks to hit a splash, but Natch gets his knees up. Flair with chops, a snapmare, a double stomp on Steamboat's chest. The double stomp was uh, nice. A nice little surprise. It's like, oh. Double underhook suplex for multiple two counts. Nature Boy keeps attempting to just push Ricky's shoulders to the mat until Steamboat kips up and begins to overpower Flair. The two men trade kicks, chops. Ricky hits a hip toss and goes for a drop kick that misses Flair. Flair looks to lock on the figure four, but Steamboat cradles him up for a small package for a two count. But Flair reverses into an inside cradle of his own for the pin. And Ric Flair wins the first fall. First fall. And they do that. They actually do the 60 second like separate, which I feel like you should do in a two or three falls match. They also probably took a commercial break. They definitely took a commercial break. But it's one of those things like I feel like you should restart the match every time there's a fall. I agree. Yeah. I, I like that. Otherwise, it's just like... Mm. Then it's not really a two or three falls. You just, you know, keep beating the guy while he's down. So we're back from commercial, and Flair's tossed to the ropes, hits a shoulder tackle, leapfrog by Steamboat, followed by a press slam. But yeah, well, the thing is, before all of that, when they come back from the commercial, there's a stare down between the guys before they start going at each other. And I think that's one of the things that adds to the two of three falls. It's like, okay, we both kind of got a clean slate. We're both worn out, but I've seen some where they don't do that. That's all. So I appreciated it. Ricky goes to the top rope and hits a big chop for a two count. A back suplex running knee drop by the Nature Boy. Flair goes for another running knee drop, but the dragon moves and begins to pound away on the leg of Nature Boy. Ricky locks in the figure four, but Flair makes it to the ropes to break the hold. Yeah, Ricky doing a figure four. It's always nice when anybody does a figure four that's not a figure four guy. Steamboat pulls Nature Boy away from the ropes and tries to put the figure four on again. But Flair kicks him away to the ropes, but the dragon comes right back and turns Nature Boy over into a Boston Crab. And Flair makes it under the ropes, under the ropes, to break the hold. You can do that in the NWA. You can, but... Oh, there's a thing later? Okay. Steamboat's hitting (laughs) multiple falling fists, but Nature Boy fires back with chops. Flair gets Ricky into a side headlock, which is reversed into a head scissors by the dragon, which is reversed into a jackknife pin attempt by Natch, which is bridged out of by Steamboat into a backside pin for a two count. Nature Boy rolls out of the ring, grabs and drags Ricky to the floor. There's some lady that yells at them as soon as they roll out, and I assume she's yelling at Flair because, you know, he's the, the heel, deal. but she, yeah, it's real for her, and I like it. She's like pointing, pointing that finger. And I just would love to know what she said. I'm sure it was not very nice. Flair shoves Steamboat into the guardrail, a power slam, and then an Irish whip into a guardrail. And we get the 30-minute call. Flair brings the dragon back into the ring with a stalled vertical suplex for a two-count, and then an Oklahoma crossbody for continuous two-counts, including using leverage from his feet on the ropes. 
I wish there was like a na- a quicker way to say what that is. It's like ah, oh, the, the foot spot, leverage spot. Like I don't know. Maybe I'll come up with something like rubber band slam for that. You should. <laughs> we get a back suplex attempt by the Nature Boy, but Steamboat floats over and gets a two count from a schoolboy attempt. Jackknife pin attempt. Chops and an Irish whip by Ricky, but he ducks his head, allowing Flair to punt him and chop him for a two count. Nature Boy's up to the top rope, but the dragon is there with punches and chops for Flair to crotch himself. Ricky oh. then climbs up the ropes, hits a superplex, mm-hmm. chops and forearms to Flair's back before lifting him up into a double chicken wing, which causes Natch to submit for the first time in his career. That's amazing. I didn't. Re- did they say that on the thing? That is the first time you've ever submitted. They did say it. Oh well, I didn't remember. But yeah, the chicken wing. It's cool. We usually nowadays when you see a double chicken wing, they usually do the like face face plant like yeah, like, they'll sit, like sit, they'll, like it's almost like a double chicken wing sit out power bomb. Yeah, and that's yeah. what I was totally expecting. No, that would have been pretty brutal for the and time. then and then all of a sudden just like no, he's just he's, he's just, just holding there, yeah. and all of a sudden he's like I. You know, I give up or I yeah. Quit Rick or sells it well, and it's there's something great about a like there's a difference between like tapping out with your hand and like having to actually say like fucking yeah. I'm done and yeah. like so it just kind of it really amps up it yeah it it makes it mean more to me if yeah, they actually have to say it, it's like oh they can't even they they don't even have the ability to like technically tap out especially because he's not even anywhere near the mat. So now the match is tied at one fall apiece. Commercial break. As we come back from commercial, Nature Boy escapes an ab stretch by raking Steamboat's eyes, and we get a flare flop. Nature Boy goes for the legs of Steamboat from behind, but Ricky comes back with chops. After an Irish whip to the corner, Flare stumbles out into a back body drop from the dragon. Nature Boy, with a shin breaker, kicks Ricky to the mat and locks on the figure four but Steamboat quickly makes it to the ropes. Flair starts pushing the ref, but Tommy Young pushes him right Hell back. Hell yeah, Tommy. Tommy don't take no shit. Nature Boy continues to work on the leg of the dragon, but Ricky comes back with chops, tossing Natch to the opposite corner for the Flair flip, but he lands on the apron, runs to the next corner, but uh, Steamboat beats him there and clotheslines him to the mat. I love it. Like, yeah, it's like the, he, he's got, he, he, he knows Flair. They've done this before, and I, like I love it when it's done. I mean, they always say, they always have to say it on commentary or whatever. But it's nice when you actually see, yeah, when you when you see it, and you don't have to. Like if you if you've watched, then you know, and it makes sense. Like when it makes sense in the match, and like you get the callback without somebody without them having to tell you, is nice. But I get why they tell you because you know why why else why else are they there exactly. But the, when he's working that leg, he's doing those those flare knees, you know, the running flare knee, where it's like, yeah. where he does, it's like, very like his whole body looks like a fish hook. He like pulls up and then like drops like his like shin across you or whatever. Mm-hmm. I love those, and nobody does them like him. And I don't think anybody could or should. I'm sure somebody has. They do like, but it's like, oh, like that's very uniquely like flare, and I just like I love that. That, that weird little fucking move. And he does it all the time, so <laughs> lucky me. Nature Boy with a double leg takedown and goes for a cover with leverage, but Ricky continues to get his shoulder up multiple times. Chops in the corner before sending Steamboat to the opposite corner. 
where Ricky jumps on the second rope, comes off with a chop, but Flair moves. The dragon then charges into a boot from the nature boy in the corner. And we've hit the 40-minute mark. Ricky reverses the Flair Irish whip, charges in, but Natch moves, and Steamboat goes knee-first into the turnbuckle. Nature Boy flings That's bad. The... That's, how, that's how we get a figure four. That's right. <laughs> I don't like that. Nature Boy flings the dragon off the ropes, hits another running knee drop, and starts yanking on the knee before locking on the figure four once again. Steamboat finally rolls it over, and they roll out to the floor where Nature Boy hits Ricky's leg against the apron. Back in the ring, Steamboat sends Flair to the corner for another Flair flip, runs to the next corner, and comes off with a half crossbody, half Thez press. It was kind of like he couldn't decide what move he wanted to do. Yeah, I mean, I've seen that. Oh, I've seen I've seen that happen before. Yeah. First crossbody, first episode of the show. Ricky then picks Nature Boy up for a scoop slam, but his leg gives, and Flair lands on top of him for a two count. Fifteen minutes left. What poor, a poor dragon leg. Steamboat's Irish whip ducks a clothesline, returns with a flying headbutt. The dragon goes to the top rope and hits a flying body press, but only a two count. Ricky goes for a jumping elbow drop, but Flair moves. Another Irish whip by the Nature Boy, he ducks his head, and Ricky hits a swinging reverse neckbreaker. Come on, Rick. Flair throws Steamboat to the outside to catch a breather. I gotta catch my breath, too. It's a lot. Shoulder tackle and a sunset flip attempt by Ricky. Nature Boy's trying to stay up, but Steamboat finally gets him down for a two count. Dragon running the ropes, and the Nature Boy jumps on Steamboat's back, locking on a sleeper. The ref is checking on Ricky. Starts, He literally starts walking towards the timekeeper to ring the bell. Yeah. When Steamboat gets his arm up. And the thing is, like in a lot of wrestling, you would see that happen and be like, whatever. This is the NWA, baby. Some shit like that could happen. And exactly. I'm just like, kind of nervous for a minute. So Tommy Young actually walks back over where Ricky is, he's like pounding his foot and and all of a sudden Tommy, like if you look at his face, he kind of gives like, I guess he's not finished. Yeah, the, uh... He kind of does this like little, like shrugs his shoulders. He's like, well, I guess he still wants to go. Dragon's back to his feet, rams Flair's head right into the turnbuckle, which sends him to the floor. Inseguri from Ricky and the fatigue from both men is clearly showing. Ten minutes left in the match. Steamboat to the top rope for a splash, but Flair moves. Nature Boy with chops and punches, working on the leg, but the dragon fires back with a chop, a clothesline, some mounted punches. Flair goes for an inverted atomic drop, but Steamboat blocks and hits another clothesline, goes for the cover, but Natch gets his foot on the ropes. Ricky Irish whips Flair, ducks his head, allowing Nature Boy to hit an elbow to the back of the neck and a back suplex. Six minutes left. Flair up to the top rope, but the dragon is there to press slam him to the mat. Steamboat locks on the double chicken wing again, but his leg gives, so the two men fall to the mat with the Nature Boy on top. The ref counts... One, mm. two, mm. three. The ref raises Steamboat's arm. Flair grabs Young, starts to explain that he had his foot under the ropes, but to no avail. But we see a replay from the ref side. Yeah, yeah. We see the the. It's, I like that. Anybody's getting so can, much. Can you tell if Ricky got his shoulder up? Because it didn't look, look like it. No, no. 
But they're getting better at like actually planning out the finish. It's like, oh, you have a different angle? Cool. And you have it ready to play? Like, oh, you have some thought here. So we go to the back. JR's there with Ricky. Mm-hmm. And Ricky's like, I'm ready to move on to other contenders. But then JR shows a replay to the dragon. And he's like, and well, we I guess see, if it happened. And we see a reverse angle. Yeah. Steamboat sees the leg and knows that Flair was right. Mm-hmm. That he did get his foot under the ropes. And we know that Steamboat... Not only do we know that Steamboat's a stand-up guy, but we know that like he benefited from that throughout the match as well. I mean, Flair's the only one that got Oh, no, I guess you're right. Yeah, Flair, yeah, Flair was under the rope, but he knows the rules. NWA. And JR like, puts his hand to his ear and says, What's I'm this? hearing that Nature Boy's being irate and yelling at Jim Hurd in the locker room. He's, he's mad. Yeah, why wouldn't he be? He lost his title. Well, he, or, he, you know, sorry. He wasn't he won- the winner. Yeah, yeah. Or he wasn't the champion. He wasn't the champion, yeah. But... And then from there, JR says his goodbyes, and we get a video package from the evening. One thing I did like about this, skipping, we'll get to that later, but you know how I hate how Steamboat always, like, and he's in a position of, like, anguish on the mat and in hold, and he, like, hits his hands, and he hits his hand, and, like, I think that happens in this match, but there's a spot where he does it with his leg, and I was like, he did it with his leg, and he still got the crowd going. It's like, ah. Well, I think that's the spot where I'm like... He had just raised his arm and then yeah. he pound his leg to, yeah, yeah. to get the crowd in. To get the it. crowd going or whatever. But like he does that. There's parts where he does that with his hand. But I'm like, that's too close to a tap, sir. Uh, but when he did it with his leg. He did it in this match. He's no, he done it, he it before. Match. But yeah, when I noticed him do it with his foot, I was like, I really like that. It's nice. It's nice. just a nice little touch. And that's like one of like, as much as I love uh, Ricky Steamboat in the ring, that was one of the things that always kind of bothered me. It's like. It's like he does that. It's like I know you got to get him going, but maybe not with your hand while you're in a hold. Like sit there and clap. Uh, yeah, I mean clap I don't know. Hands. Or just do the foot thing. You can always basically do the foot thing. Unless you're in the figure four. Yeah, but in the figure four, that's uh, those are trying times, and if they're there for you, they'll be there for you. So Michael Temple, I want to know your overall thoughts of Clash of the Champions six. Overall, this is a good show. You you really like it. I mean, yeah, like the, I mean, it's two hours. Well, I guess probably three if we miss some of them. But the last match is great. I don't know if it's the best Steamboat Flare match we've seen. But it's very, very good. And you should watch it. You definitely should watch it. Flare and Steamboat put on a master's class. Yeah. It's a, it's a five-star classic. It's one of the, like, anytime we've, get, we've been getting these, like, long Flare matches. And they're all so good that, like, the... You could say this is your favorite, and I could say that the other, like, you know, the last, maybe the Sting match was, I liked more, but we're so not that far off in, like, quality that it's, like, kind of up to you. So, like, yeah, you know, it's like, subjective. yeah, it's like, it's like, these are all, they're, these, he's on a fucking run right now. These flare, like, these big flare matches are about as good as, some, as shit gets sometimes. I agree. Definitely about as good as shit gets uh, in 1989 in the United States. I do think the rest of the show is, is not that great. I, I thought it was good. It's fine. It's basically. fine. Yeah. Um. I, I obviously not... I wish that they hadn't cut the network hadn't cut out the world tag team title. Oh, yeah, I just want to see that Teddy Long spot. That... Plus, it's also Road Warriors. You know, everybody likes Road exactly. Warriors. Exactly. Um, but other than that, I mean, I didn't hate any of this show. No, I would say that if 
Like, this show is skippable with the exception of the last match, but none of it is, like... Agreed. None Agreed. of it's, like, you know, it's not... Atrocious. Yeah, it's not, like, pulling teeth or anything. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right, fuck you. I think it's time we spark it up. So what are some of the best moments of the night for you? The last 48... Double the chicken double, wings? The, the, double, the double chicken wings up there. Basically, the last 48 minutes are where it's really at. For me, it was nice to see the dog. It was nice to see the dog catch a win. Uh, but outside of that, it is Great Muda, Muda, Muda. Yeah. What so, you... no, I take it back. You watch the Muda thing just because it's exciting and it's like the first time on a on big stage in the U.S. for him. Yeah. So, no, yeah, I take it back. Uh, there's two things on the show. I want to know your thoughts watch. on Michael P.S. Hayes as an announcer. Yeah. I'm, I'm, the more we're getting further into NWA and we're seeing more P.S., I love P.S. all the time. He's just such... He's so good on the microphone. Yeah, he's amazing. And, like, he's good here. He only gets better. <laughs> I just... I remembered a couple weeks ago that you actually, like... Compared him to Ventura. He's that well, you were like... Yeah. You were like, maybe he should be the new Ventura for WCW. <laughs> yeah. And, and then all of a sudden, I, like, turned this show on. And I yes, saw it. I was yeah. like... It's one of the few things that I had to be like... Yes. Hey, you predicted this one correctly. Yeah. Like, he's... Uh, He's just endlessly entertaining. He's not as like fun or like funny as Jesse, but he seems more genuine than Jesse. Yeah, because Je- like I mean, he's still obviously like an an act or whatever. But Jesse's also, is a little more over Hayes the top. Hayes is also a face, so like, yeah, yeah. So he wasn't like no, no. But like he's 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 great, and I love him, and I feel like I'm only going to love him more as time goes on. Anything disappointing? On this show, I mean, there wasn't. I wish the SWAT team. I mean, we mentioned earlier. I wish the SWAT team express match had been a few minutes less. Because, yeah, if it was more of a sprint. Yeah, because because we've seen SWAT look better. We've seen both the teams we, look have better matches. And I think we even said it then. Like the match wasn't bad. It's just too long. It was just too long. You don't want to st- like, you don't want to start a match with your unless you're the WWE now where you have a you can put a women's title match to get the crowd hot to start like you don't want a fucking you know 12 minute tag team match to start your show with a bunch of trap holds yeah it's like, like three both those teams are good the and they both they have like two of the like two of the greatest managers there like you can do a, an amazing you know 6 exactly. 8 minute sprint so best performer of the night is it flair or is it steamboat who do you feel like did a better job in that match? Muda. No, no. Or I mean, Mu- I mean, I mean if you well, want to throw it to Muda, Muda. But Muda didn't put in the work. He was amazing. He had an amazing showcase, but it was not a, you know, fucking 58-minute match or whatever. I, I don't know exactly the time on this, but it's like it's like in the 40s. it ended up being like 55. Oh, wow. So they almost went the distance. Yeah. It's hard to choose. Like, I mean, I would... It's The thing with Ric Flair is Ric Flair's face tells a story better than just about anybody else's face. Steamboat is getting better at selling stuff with his face and, like, you know, the in-between move stuff. He's definitely the better technical wrestler. Yeah. Like, he... uh, But what Flair does, he does better than anybody else. So it's kind of hard to choose... Or hard to say who I like better. depends on what you're focusing on. But um, I will say that Steamboat is getting better at the in-between stuff. His promos aren't getting too much better. No. But his in-ring, like, you know, telling the story with his face, with his actions, the, like, selling of limbs, the, like, selling of, like, pain and stuff is 
maybe it's just because we don't see him do very many 60-minute matches. Yeah, it seems he was able to stand with Flair in that respect. I agree. And, I agree. But, I mean, it's Rick fucking Flair. What do you think? I think I would go Flair as well. I mean, just one, Flair was willing to willing to amp up the intensity in the match by allowing himself to be to submit. Yeah, yeah. You know, that to me that builds builds that match up completely to a fever pitch. Yeah, I, yeah, that, really seriously. I didn't I when he did that chicken because rock. because literally if they had just done it like a, you know, Steamboat catches him with a small package or something. Yeah. Like it's just like whatever. Wh- whatever. Yeah, that happens all the time. But the finish in the second fall uh-huh. leads us to the finish of the third fall. In a- and so it's a it's a complete so but to the, to do that, Flair has to go, okay, I'm, I will, I'm willing, willing to do it. this. And like for it to be the chicken wing, like he put that on and I was like, okay. And then he submitted and it made that a big thing. So later on because people weren't expecting the chicken wing submission that was I don't think that was a staple for Steamboat at the time. I think I mean, it was I think I don't it was think I'd ever seen it from anyone. Yeah, I think that it was pulled out for this and it was like really smart because they pulled it out for this so then later in the show the third during third exactly. fall when it gets teased it really means something and like yeah, no. That's one of the this match was extremely smart. Extremely. Which is hard to like, yeah, which is a thing that we've always argued. It's like we get what they were trying to do, but it was pulled off poorly. And these end, like these, as the NWA shows continue, they just like get slow. They get a little bit better at accomplishing what they wanted to in an intelligent way. And like, there's still there's hits and misses, but like we've been getting a lot of hits lately. And I, especially I mean, in the especially where hits where it matters too. 1989 may be NWA's year. Uh, I think that, yeah, I think you might be right. I mean, we got the trilogy, because, spoiler alert, we get another Steamboat Flare match, mm-hmm. and all three matches are incredible. Incredible. Yeah. So, uh, how about most surprising? I mean, I think it's obvious that it's Muda. Yeah, it's, I was surprised. I didn't look at. I don't look at the cards beforehand. It's not. It takes away, it takes away the fun. Yeah. So it's fun when you watch a show and somebody shows up and you're like, oh shit. I mean, as soon as Muda did a the handspring back elbow the yeah, first I like, time, <laughs> I was just like, oh, and it's not. And it's like done. Oh, glorious, it's done glorious. with like like visual intensity. Like it's done so crisp and like the energy that you can just like see it on the screen. It's not like it's not like going through the motions. Like you can you can feel it, man. It looks electric, and it's great. Everything he does looks electric. Like, he's really on for this match. Granted, it's a squash, and it's to showcase him to the world, to the United States, but I feel like he really takes a fantastic advantage of that. And now for a look back even farther into the history of wrestling. The Dusty Finish. After Orville Brown's injury, the NWA knew they needed to find a new champion. The board of directors decided on Lou Thez. Thez was a promoter in the Minnesota area and also the holder of the National Wrestling Association's championship, which meant the two competing titles would be unified. Lou Thez, born in 1916, grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, the son of a shoemaker. He would make his professional debut in 1932 and soon started learning the art of hooking. The ability to stretch your opponents with painful holds from Ed Strangler Lewis. 
Fez was considered a throwback, having no love for gimmicks. But he would be an innovator using moves such as drop kicks, German suplexes, power bombs, and the Fez Press. Fez would take over the title on November 27, 1949, and would continue to unify titles from across the country. On May 21, 1952, Fez would defeat Baron Michelle Leone for the LA Olympic Auditorium Championship and would be considered the undisputed champion. Lou Fez would keep the NWA World Heavyweight Championship for 2,300 days. But other wrestlers and promoters would begin to become frustrated at the lack of change and availability of the champion. I like this one. LA Olympic Auditorium Championship. That's all I got. I like that. It's it's very sweaty. Next week, Wrestle War 1989. The best wrestling logo of all time and i'm gonna get it tattooed on my face <laughs> it's it's a pretty good one i, I, I like it i mean yeah as well. i was like i was like and then we'll, we'll talk about it later but we'll talk about the logo's great the music from this week's show is the theme song from clash six and we get to hear ricky steamboat's theme music once again which is opening ceremony by color sound Okay, I was like, what's the theme song from Clash 6? Is it a real theme song, or is it like one of those network ones? Trying to think of it. It probably just sounds like... As far as I know, it's a real song. Keyboard garbage with some guitars in it. They all kind of sound the same at this time. If you like us, you can always rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at. Leave us those, uh, as Michael likes to say, leave us five stars. Or no stars. Why would you do that? Why would anybody know Star or something? If you don't like it, you don't like it. Yeah, just don't. It's fine. You can tell your friends you don't like it. If you like don't it. like it, just don't do it. But, yeah. I mean, you probably haven't. You've probably quit listening at this point if you don't like it, so. Seriously. I know Unless I quit just listening sometimes at this point on shows that I like a lot. You're just torturing yourself. <laughs> uh, if you like, uh, if you want to talk to us, you can always email us at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com. Or you can always find us on Twitter at wrestlinghistox. That's wrestling H I S T O X. We'll talk to you next week.